Thanks for joining us here at Fully Yours, our cross-country conversation where three friends share their latest adventures with food to reflect on the themes of everyday life. The matters of the heart. We are fully yours because at the end of the day, food shows us just how truly, fully, we belong to one another. Hello, everyone. We are so glad that you're joining us around the table at Fully Yours. Today is going to be a little bit different. Today is Election Day, and that's a really big day. I'm preparing to go out to the polls right now to go vote, and we hope that you will vote as well. But today's episode we actually recorded a few weeks ago, and we are just going to take a step back. So if you're looking for a place to just relax and chill and not hear any election coverage, this is your place to be. We invite you to grab a cup of tea or perhaps a bite to eat and sit down at the table with us as we catch up and talk about self-care and other beautiful things. There are also tons of recipes that we share as well as what we've been up to. So we invite you to join us around the table today, take a break from election coverage, and we will talk with you soon. It's good to see all of your faces. It's been a little while. Yes, we're doing this by Zoom, which is a new format for us, but this is awesome. I'm so glad that I get to see you all. Likewise. You too. You too. So for those of you who have joined us this season, we've been talking a lot about race and food and those intersections. And we've recognized that we needed to take a step back and sort of check in with ourselves um, and and sort of process some of that information offline. And so for the next couple of months, we're just going to be checking in with one another, seeing what we're reading, what we're thinking about, and what we're cooking. So what have y'all been cooking recently? Okay. So I had a ramen thing for a couple of weeks. Um, There's a little place near us that makes the most delicious um, ramen bowls. And it has, uh, the restaurant is called Origami and they have um, fresh noodles and this really amazing miso broth. And then it's just loaded with fresh local veggies. Um, They do this thing, they call it their, shoot, what do they call it? It's like there's, um, it's a special way that they prepare their egg that they put in it. And I was reading on, um, on one of their pamphlets when I was ordering one day. And I think they basically like boil this egg over 50 minutes, which blows my mind. So the, the yolk is like jelly ish kind of, um, it's just so beautiful anyways. So we've been doing takeout from there once in a while more than usual. And I finally, I was like, okay, I just need to try to learn to make really yummy ramen at home. And so I tried this um, vegan ramen recipe and it had like a dried mushroom miso broth and I roasted veggies and I like seared tofu and put it all together and it was fine. (laughs) It was, it was good, but you know, I think there's a reason why some places just specialize in ramen. There's a so good... (laughs) And I had so many dishes afterwards. I I don't know. I don't know you both if that was 
a repeatable adventure, but that was, that was kind of like the pinnacle of my ramen um, weeks. And now, now I feel like I'm shifting gears to new foods. How about you both? I love that so much. Can we also talk about miso? Like I love miso. I've recently been making this. I don't know where the recipe came from, but it's lemon juice, miso, and like garlic uh, chili oil crisp stuff that you can get at Trader Joe's. And so I make a sauce out of that, boil some pasta, and then like toss it with some sesame oil and with the miso and the lemon and the garlic and hot chili flakes. Like it is so good. Um, Sounds like a lot less dishes too. Yes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's so good good. and super easy. And the miso I think has protein. Uh, Maybe it's definitely, well, it's fermented, right? So it has some, um, microbial activity going on there that I think is really great for the gut. Um, I don't know about protein or not. It's, um, are some of them made out of soy? soy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would assume so. I also sprinkle some nutritional yeast on top and sesame seeds. So the nutritional yeast is good for you too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yep. Oh, that sounds so good. I feel like when so I've good. tried to make miso anything really at home, like dressings or sauces or like it just, I don't know. I can't quite figure it out. Right. Even miso broths. Um, so I don't know if you have any tips, but what I've started to do is like try to dissolve the miso first with a little bit of hot water before putting because I think it mine normally gets like really clumpy and it's not good. Yeah, it's almost like wasabi, how like if you're gonna mix it in with your soy sauce, you have to like make a yeah. paste out of it first yeah, with right. just a little drop of soy. Um I would say just for me, miso tastes both very, very sweet and both very, very salty. So like make sure that, you know, nothing else there has that flavor profile. So I think that's why the lemon works because it's sour and it's acid Hmm. and the chili crisp, I mean, it's hot and it's delicious. And then you get the nuttiness from the sesame seeds. So I would try to like play around, make sure that every flavor profile is represented um, within it. And then like, there's definitely that umami flavor to it. So I think it would be easy to go overboard, but I wouldn't say no to throwing some mushrooms in there too. That would be really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. The mushrooms did add a nice touch. I'm not super familiar with working with dried mushrooms. So that was new for me. Um, but it did add a depth, I think, to the flavor. That was really good. Yeah. Um, what, what about the two of you? Beyond this amazing miso noodle dish, <laughs> sounds like that's what you've been cooking. How about you, yeah, Eva? The, so the weather has been a little all over the place, but it finally, I mean, yesterday was probably the coolest day we've had in a long time. It was in the lower 50s all day. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that way, I think, all week, which I'm actually really excited about. So let's see. I've been making a lot of cabbage and... Um, I made a new cauliflower recipe from An- uh, Vegetable Kingdom. The I think we've referenced that. It's a vegan cookbook, and um, the author is just amazing. He 
he has like playlists for every recipe or every set of recipes and that's really fun so i've been trying Wait, to listen actual, to the actual playlist yeah <laughs> well like suggested songs to listen to while you cook because he says they like inform his recipes and but i love that and chris and i have been re-watching great british baking show our favorite season i'm gonna make some pasties tomorrow i think can you say more about what those are and what that entails yes so it's typically a puff pastry base and then you fill it with it can be like fruit or mine are gonna be savory so i'm gonna do some leeks and potatoes Oh, I love leeks right and now. Time. Oh, so good. Leeks. And I haven't been able to find them. So I'm glad that I was able to today. Yeah. So I make rough puff pastry. Puff pastry is wonderful, but it takes, it's just so involved. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> rough puff is easier and a lot more fun, I think. Um, I mean, puff pastry is fun too, but I just feel like it's less finicky or it's more finicky. What what do you do with your cabbage meals? We're we're roasting some cabbage tonight for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing just a. It's actually from Feed the Resistance, the the book that um, we've mentioned a couple times on this podcast. But there's a sheet pan, sort of like budget friendly, feed the crowds type meal in it, um, and you just chop up cabbage and potatoes and sausage, and I think some parsley that you put on it mm-hmm. at the end. Um, so it looks really simple. So we're trying that, but do you have any sort of favorite go-to ways for cabbage? Cause it's so it, inexpensive fairly. And it's like really good for you. And, and it just lasts like, a long good. time. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah, it yep. oh, I love it too. I love to munch on it while I'm chopping it. It's just so yeah. fresh and it's got that little bit of spice. Mm-hmm. I honestly just saute it with carrots and onions. And sometimes I'll add like ground beef Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes just keep it as it as it is, and then sometimes I'll add some broth, some veggie broth, mm. sort of like I would cook collards, um, and add some paprika and some spices, and it's so good. And it tastes even better the next day because it's just mm. absorbs absorbed more flavor. And but yeah. Cabbage is so versatile too. And then I love like cabbage stew with potatoes. Oh, that sounds good. It's so good. Yeah. I'm a huge (laughs) fan of roasted cabbage just in general, just salt, pepper, olive oil, but like take it to the edge. So the like part of it is burnt and crispy (laughs) and like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. And then I actually, um, my mom recommended a recipe from her mom and I just recently made it and it's delicious. It's not good for you, but it's delicious. Um, saute onions with the cabbage and then add a ton of sour cream to it with paprika and garlic Mm -hmm. and then throw it in the oven with some breadcrumbs on top. Sour and so cream. It's, yeah. Yeah. Is it like kind of more like a side dish casserole or is yeah, it really yeah. rich and so more? What did you eat it with? Meat I'm rolls. trying to wrap my. Okay. <laughs> that totally makes yes. sense. I'm like, I'm trying to imagine this here. <laughs> yes. Oh, that sounds good. Um, it is really good and not, not good for you, but every once in a while, you know, 
And yeah. I, it actually freezes really well, which is surprising. Thanks. So like, it's just me that I'm cooking for. And I'm yeah. always looking for meals that I can freeze. And I have, again, I, I think I've talked about these containers, but like the takeout containers, the quart size, the pint size, mm. they freeze so well. You can put a full meal in there and then take off the lid, turn it upside down in a bowl, microwave for five minutes, and you've got like TV dinners Perfect. that you've cool. made. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, awesome. that's how I eat um, when I'm super, super busy, you know, packed yeah. between Zoom meetings, you know? So yep. yeah. love that. Yeah. So I'm noticing definitely like a trend towards warmer foods as we're all sort yeah. of finally experiencing a little bit of cooler weather. And yeah, and just kind of, it sounds, well, I don't know, all the recipes that you've all just talked about just sound so comforting. And I think that's mm. kind of like a trend as we move towards warm, warm meals right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which comes at a really good time. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to share. I, <laughs> so I made, um, I made some sourdough the other day and as it was in the oven, in the Dutch oven, our oven started sparking Oh. And uh, some like the heating element went out or something, and so I was like, I'm just gonna leave it in there as long as I can, like, cause the heat is still in there. And I took it out, and it like, it definitely could have like been more brown and had a nicer crust, but it was actually one of the better loaves of bread I made lately. It was like wow. had a nice texture, and so that was exciting. And I had just gotten like I finally got a nice lame for cutting pretty things in it. And I got a new, um, pastry cutter. Somehow I haven't had one. So, so excited to use those things. And, but anyway, it was funny. I was worried that something really like that the oven was going to like catch on fire. (laughs) I actually, I had that experience too, Eva, a couple, gosh, probably six months ago now. I think it was because I was using the oven so much to make bread. What are y'all doing to your (laughs) stoves? Like, what is going on here? Totally, like something like sparked and flashed, and then like, and I, I was like, oh my gosh, what do we do with all the bread dough? Like, yeah, like do we barbecue it? Like, do we put it in the grill? I don't know. Um, You can make some excellent pizzas on the grill. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that's yes. true. Yeah, yeah. My mind didn't go there, just kind of stayed in panic mode. But we <laughs> went to the like electric, uh, what is it, like the breaker box or what? Mm. those things. <laughs> and so we restarted and it was all good. But, whoo, yeah. I, I have set off my fire alarm like more than a few times recently. Oh, yeah. So, um, we have this wonderful program here called farmer at the door. Um, I live in a pretty rural part of Massachusetts and luckily we have great farmers who are, are raising, you know, very ethically sourced, um, uh, meat and that sort of thing. And recently I've been into smash burgers. So you literally, it's so good. Okay. So you heat up a pan as hot as you can get it. Probably cast iron is going to be the best for that. And then you take a ball of meat and you smash it with a spatula. 
And then it gets super, super caramelized and delicious Mm. and incredible. And then you set off your smoke alarms and then you flip the the patty over and let it do its thing. And then you set them off again until your neighbors come by to check on you to make sure that everything is okay. (laughs) And then you wave a towel around furiously to stop it from beeping. And then you have it on a roll from a local baker. Like I just, you know- And like local fried egg on top. Like it's, oh, it's just so good. So I've been doing that too recently. It sounds good. Those require some sacrifice. You have to be okay (laughs) with the, with the fire alarm there. Yes. Sounds pretty amazing. Cosmo's used to it now. So yeah. (laughs) You, you share with him, right? Is that why (laughs) he's in on it? He gets some of the grease in his food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He is very excited. Yes. So what have y'all been up to? Eva, you did a thing, a really fun thing yesterday. What did you do? I did. Yeah. So I am part of, it's called the Faulkner County Urban Farm Project, and it is behind the public library in my town. And it started 10 years ago as a project. So there's three colleges in my town. And it started as a project between the three to see, like, I think it was some sort of competition, like, to see who could grow the most food or get the most students in, engaged or something. And since, like, the library took it over as one of their initiatives, and they have a garden programmer who, like, runs everything, and um, he was hired earlier this year and has just done amazing I mean, they've added 20 more community garden plots and they have all these beds that they use for food recovery and or food donations, I should say. And they've got educational programs. I mean, it's just really amazing. Zach, the program manager, asked me to be on the leadership team for this big event. And it was just like a Renaissance-themed farm festival. And, and we're also trying to work on this sort of community food center initiative. So there's a a woman, she's actually an alum of Hendrix where I went to school and she, um, she's now teaching. I don't think she's in Arkansas anymore, but she kind of developed this like community food center idea, which is really just getting at like addressing food insecurity is a really multi-layered thing. And like, how do you get producers and providers, farmers, consumers, people who are most affected all kind of participating in the whole picture and so anyway we developed a relationship with a nearby disciples of christ church and they have a commercial kitchen that they haven't used in about 20 years Um, or i guess technically it hasn't been like officially certified as a commercial kitchen but it's almost there this woman who used to be the owner and chef at a local restaurant sort of farm to table restaurant she organized all these people to cook like 500 plus meals there was a rancher who donated a whole steer. So it was like locally raised beef. So we did like a mobile food delivery initiative. So a woman at the library has relationships with people in the community who could, could use some hot meals. So we put those together and delivered them. So it was like a whole thing. It was, it was a lot going on, but it was really fun. It was very tiring. It was a long day. But Chris and I dressed up as the king and queen of the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> so and they had games and lots of kids and 
um, some garden tours and things like that. So it was sort of a kickoff event to see what the future of some of those programs might look like. So wow. it was great fun. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's been, it's been really fun and grounding to be part of that community, especially during a season of so much uncertainty as we're all experiencing. It was just really cool that people who received the meals, I mean, they were serving food at the farm for anyone who was there, but then the folks who were getting a lot of seniors in the community who just haven't been able to get out, you know, they got like really well-prepared, like locally sourced meal. Um, and we had like eco-friendly packaging and it just felt like it was very thoughtfully, thoughtfully done. So hmm. that's exciting too, to be imagining about the future. And yeah, like you said, just having sort of that, that launch party in a way opens yeah. up so many doors of how, how you might grow and unfold there. That yeah. Sounds really, yeah. Really exciting. Very cool. And just exciting to see so many different partners. I mean, people sort of in the restaurant industry and then a couple of churches kind of volunteered in different ways. And then you've got farmers who are donating food and it was good. It was much colder than we thought it was going to be. So that was a bit of a surprise, but, but it felt like October 24th, you know, which is nice. Yeah. I, I love the collaborative nature of that. I think that's so incredibly important because the issue of food insecurity is multifaceted and there's so much that, that if we only go at it from one angle, like it's not going to make as much impact as if we were to really come together. And I love that. Yeah. I think the hope too is we're really trying to ask questions about like how do we kind of blur the lines between who is serving and who's being served? And yeah, it's very easy to kind of see a big issue and want to jump in and fix it. But I really, I hope, and I'm trying to be attentive to like, let's really listen to the needs of the community and ask questions about how to do this well and sustainably. And, and like what we've been talking about this season on the podcast how do we also start asking questions about being good stewards of the land and the history of the land and especially in a state where Tyson and Walmart control a lot of the food system and a lot of its workers. So that's hard. That's hard sometimes. And not a lot of people are, I don't want to say they're not ready, but you know, how do you just sort of like, how do you make the connections a little bit at a time without kind of making people feel like they don't get it or... I don't know. It's interesting. It's, it's very interesting to have lived in Massachusetts where a lot of those conversations were kind of baked into the cake, so to speak. And then in Arkansas, I don't know. It's just interesting how different regions affect different types of conversations. And of course, politics always plays a role as well. Mm-hmm. What's on your plates? So something really exciting happened about a month ago. Eva, Chloe, and I come from, I think this is really, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think most of us, correct me if I'm wrong, fell in love with food at the table mixed with spirituality at Simple Church. And I 
was just recently appointed as the coordinating pastor of Simple Church Grafton and Simple Church Worcester. So that makes a very full plate because I'm also pastoring my other church um, in rural Massachusetts. And I also work for a nonprofit that, um, that works in food rescue. So Eva, a lot of what you said just really resonates a lot with our work how intersectional it is and how important it is to know our community. One of the hardest parts of my job in food rescue, basically, um, we go to different grocery stores and vendors. We go from, you know, Target to Whole Foods, you know, just sort of all over the place. We pick up food that was either wrongly ordered, those are, call those are called mispicks, or we pick up food that's about to expire, or they order too much food. So we pick that up, put it in a refrigerated truck, and then we drop it off at various beneficiaries. So shelters, food pantries, churches that are running food pantries out of their, out of their basement. It's really the, the hardest part of that job is knowing what organization needs what and planning. You know, you've got the back of the truck, you've got your food, where is it all going to go and where is it going to be most beneficial? So for example, on Friday, we got this huge box of limes and we have one beneficiary that always asks, do you have any citrus? Do you have any citrus? And like oftentimes we don't, if we do, it's like a lemon here or there, but we pulled aside that full box of limes for him on Friday and he was so excited. <laughs> so like, it's, it's really, really fun to see food that would have gone to waste otherwise and create CO2 and create all of these issues for the environment. Instead, going to communities that really, really need it and also really appreciate it and can have fun with it. I mean, we do everything from like a fresh cut fruit to artichokes to full boxes of limes to birthday cakes that, you know, were miss icinged. Um, <laughs> so I mean everything and it's just really mm. exciting to know like oh my gosh like one of the beneficiaries has a birthday today. Let's drop off that birthday cake and like it's a really really fun job and it's it's more than that you know you can actually see the you can see the difference being made. So my plate is very full, my heart is very full and I'm I'm just super stoked about everything going on here. But that's really important to focus on self-care, which is something I want to talk about with you all in a few minutes. But Chloe, I want to hear what you've been up to. I just wanted to say first, like that takes so much coordination, but it's also, you're right. Like it's not just a job. It's like bringing to life the connection that neighbors have, right? And like you're creating these new networks of people and helping needs get met. So that's really, really, really stunning. And I hope that it happens all over the country. I don't know if it does or where where there's pockets where this sort of food rescue is happening, but that's pretty incredible. Is I, it I've heard of other organizations. I know there's one in DC um, mm -hmm. and I know that there's one in Colorado. And their models are going to be different, you know, using different pieces, like we use software for it. Um, and it's, mm -hmm. it's really cool to like track the trucks and track what's in them and, and all of that. Um, every organization is going to do it differently. But I think the point is like, it's really, really important to watch what sort of food, basically in a way it's reversing capitalism. 
So these stores purchase or order a ton of food in the hopes that they'll make a lot of money off of it. And then the food that they don't sell gets donated to us and then they get a tax write-off for it. So like it's beneficial in both ways for them. So it's really, really good to have that partnership and to sort of reverse the narrative of like, no, we're not trying to make a dollar off of you, but you know, we could, we know of places that could really, really use this extra food. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And like just addressing that whole waste piece too. I mean, I, I watched a documentary a few years ago and this has been getting a lot of, a lot more attention, I think in recent years, but I think it's something like 40% of food produced in the United States gets thrown away through a combination of factors. And I mean, when you really think about what that looks like, it's just, it's just appalling. And here in Massachusetts during the pandemic, so in this current time, one out of five Massachusetts residents are food insecure. Mm. So when you're, when you're throwing away 40% of all the food that's produced, like and and the slogan of this nonprofit is bridging the gap between abundance and need. Hmm. And and I think that's that's the most beautiful thing that we can do and it it extends beyond just food as well like it extends to our ministries. We all are are part of ministries and and bridging that gap I think is is huge no matter what field you're in. Yeah. Like a yeah. cornfield that was really corny christy (laughs) oh it's just a kernel of truth i just had to throw it in there Uh, oh my goodness we're playing popcorn right now right so it's my turn yes (laughs) trying to think of something with a cob and i just can't oh you're (laughs) you're just you're just buttering me up (laughs) but don't worry if i'm a little salty right now you know (laughs) stop putting some salt in that (laughs) Uh, oh gosh. Yeah. Um, this season has been one of just a lot of newness and, um, learning and kind of pivoting. I don't know if I've shared this too much, but just pivoting from being pretty immersed for a little while and, um, trying to learn more about bread making into, uh, more of the urban farming realm. So, which, yeah, I appreciate about this podcast because we always try to kind of represent that full spectrum of the growing of food and then and then the making of food and the sharing of it. So I am kind of learning by jumping in and um, it's been, I'm uh, spending a lot of time at a little urban farm and um, we've been trying to just transition between seasons really coming to the end of summer, but we had 90 degrees up until like last week in late October. So I've been trying to plant fall crops and <laughs> they're just, it's been a total experiment. Um, but the thing that keeps just grounding me and blowing me away is um, kind of what you were speaking to Eva, just the community participation. Um, we've had such an incredible turnout of volunteers and we're wearing masks and keeping distance. And thankfully it's a space that sort of facilitates safer in-person gathering, um, in a time where we really need that. So that's just been amazing. 
because uh, I just see when I'm there by myself and then when you have 10, 15 other people that literally multiplies <laughs> the work by 10 or 15 times. But it's also just so cool to see people learning new things and interacting with each other and just like the delight and the joy and the questions and the things that come up for folks. So that's been really, really grounding and keeping me going. Yeah. And the other piece that was really exciting the other day. So again, being a total novice here in some ways, I was just sort of trying to manage the ship as much as possible from sinking over the summer because it was just me sort of in this farm space and had sort of harvested all the spring crops and then just did not have time to put in additional summer crops in some of the beds. And then of course learned that that like totally leaches the soil when it's just like sitting bare to the sun. So I was so panicked when that like connected for me in my brain. And um, so we covered it with some new compost and I put down some cover crop or, or just tried out some different crops and did a lot of watering. And now I am seeing in the soil, like earthworms all over the place and ladybugs mm-hmm. and baby ladybugs. And, um, we've had some praying mantis. Man- I don't even know what the plural of that is. Manti. Manti. <laughs> Manti. <laughs> um, which are like the weirdest, coolest creatures ever um, yes. and are supposed to be really awesome for gardens and farms. So just seeing new life in a way that that goes beyond what I did, right? Like I put down some compost and that was pretty much it. Like it was just really, it's just these ecosystems that come back into balance with just a little bit of nurturing. So that's just given me a lot of hope uh, which I hold on to as I kind of take each step of trying to to figure out this big puzzle. Um, yeah, so hoping I just continue to learn and and that sort of opportunities for community continue to grow and as we go into next year, it's kind of what mm. I've been thinking about a lot lately and doing. Mm. Yeah, when you talked about the praying manti I guess (laughs) I have a student that I work with at Hendrix who has a pet I think he has oh my god he were three praying mantis manti and um tomorrow we're doing a virtual blessing of the animals and he's gonna bring his so cool (laughs) of course we were making all the jokes about like does your praying mantis need to be blessed or is he blessing or are they right right are they facilitating the whole uh blessing there (laughs) so but I just love his enthusiasm about this little creature. It's awesome. Wow. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, they're tiny right now. Um, mm. But he's very invested in them. And he's like, I just need something that I can take care of while I'm mm. doing remote school. And just what is he giving beautiful. them to eat? I'm just really curious. I've never heard about too. having someone I know. as a pet, I, a praying mantis as a pet. Yeah. I'm so curious as well. I have no idea, but you'll find out. Yeah. Maybe I'll learn more <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. That's really sweet. Yeah. I think that's really important. Um, he needed something to care for hmm. while he was going to school. I'm surrounded by plants and that gives me a lot of life and and joy to see things growing and then like to also move stuff around my house and to see how that changes yes. things yeah i had a really really stagnant uh 
Philodendron, whatever this guy is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pothos, maybe Philodendron, whatever. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I'm I'm not good at names. Um, and it was really really stagnant and not doing anything. It was sitting on top of my piano, and I swapped this one out for what was on the piano, and now it's like going crazy. It's it's really really cool. So that's one of the ways that I I care for myself is to care for for plants and and for my dog what are what are some of the things that y'all are doing to to take care of yourself in in this time when you said moving things around the house (laughs) that does something for me (laughs) yeah 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 plants are not like i i don't know i've been thinking about this a lot lately um i totally hear you on that it's so interesting kind of this dichotomy of like all of these huge, like there's almost too much movement in some ways, like on a global level. And then, um, and yet there's like a stagnation that I'm experiencing a little bit. I think of just having this very similar surroundings day in and day out and not really having like, yeah, just like seeing people how I used to and, um, kind of engaging in different experiences. So, I, I don't, I don't know. That's just been something that's been on my mind this last week is like how to hold those two realities. And there's like a part of me that's constantly yearning for routine. And then a part of me that's kind of like, gosh, like how do I break out of like the, <laughs> like kind of this, yeah, just kind of the stagnation feeling. So one way that's been helpful for me and I don't really know how to make meaning out of this, but just paying attention to my surroundings a little bit. Charlie and I went on a one one trip this year. <laughs> it was a little sort of weekend getaway. And we went, it was a small apple orchard on an ocean. And um, this these two people, they have basically built everything from scratch, like the little um, bunkhouse and a little like outhouse that was seriously nicer than our bathroom. <laughs> like, but there was like such beauty and intention in all of it. Mm. And there's something that really speaks to me about that. Just like how our spaces, uh, it feels relational to me, like how, how we care for our spaces and how our spaces hold and care for us. Mm. Um, so yeah, like the other week I got a couple of little baby cacti to um, replace the cacti I had successfully killed off (laughs) from a couple years ago. So I had some empty pots and just that simple little, you know, as a couple dollars and putting those on my counter, like just, it just made me feel so renewed and yeah, so it's very small, but I think that's a little way that I'm trying to experiment with. I think like better tending to what's around me can really lift my spirits right now. Yeah, I resonate with that so much. Talking about spaces and plants, I actually just bought this today. Love it's, it. Oh, no way. It's a, um, it's a, a little philodendron, I think. And then oh. I've been working on, this is sort of our, our guest bedroom and office. So I do most of my Zooms in here, but I've just been working on creating this little. I was noticing that. It's so beautiful. Um, so I've got my little gourds and it's hard to see, but. Um, and it just like coming in this room and seeing that it just like centers me 
the other day I was like, I just need to like stop thinking and I need to put some Taze music on and I need to journal and just pray. And so I just sat here on the floor. <laughs> I'm trying to work on not making the perfect the enemy of the good, which is the story of my life. But I'll notice that there will be seasons where I get, I get caught up in like my self-care rhythms need to be, whether it's like movement and I've tried to use movement instead of exercise because I find it more appealing and I find it more like holistic, I guess. Mm -hmm. Or if it's like things I want to be reading regularly or journaling, whatever it is, like I'll get really hung up on like it has to look a certain way or it has to be a certain number of minutes or whatever before it's like enough. And then it's like I've set the challenge or I've set the the goals too high for myself so then I don't really attend to any of them necessarily or I just turn them into more checklists. And then I reach a point where I'm like, I can't do anything. I just have to sit and like, so anyway, <laughs> that's just a theme that's been coming up for me. And every other day I feel both like just so much grief, so many layers of grief about the pandemic and the election. And yeah, and it just hit me the other day about the holidays, just like I don't think I had really processed like the holidays are going to be so different this year. And I feel like there's a lot of freedom and freedom isn't quite the right word, but there's like a richness that I'm feeling around asking what is essential right now? Like what's essential in my work? What's essential in my relationships, whatever it is. And I'm finding that that really lends itself to some really important and transformative questions. So it's both of those things, like coupled together all the time. I also just this time of year, I get, I get really tired. <laughs> and like, like, I swear it's just like this biological thing that happens to me when like days start getting shorter. I just want to like watch movies and eat food. <laughs> like all the time. And I already want to do that most of the time, but, but it's also a season where like I'm writing ordination paperwork, which is so demanding. And so like, oh, it's just so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And like trying to plan for next semester, which is still a big question mark. And I guess the care in that is just like, how can I be faithful to the next small thing and let the rest go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think my tendency is I'm feeling overwhelmed, so I'm just going to hide and avoid things, but I know that's not healthy for me. <laughs> so um, just trying to stay present, I think, is, is a challenge, but there's lots of invitations for doing that that actually are very life-giving. Yeah, what I'm also hearing in that is gentleness, recognizing that like even if you put self-care on your checklist like, and it goes undone, like learning to be gentle with ourselves in that sense, like, but also prioritizing. One of the things that I've been doing is for this food rescue job, I'm, I have to leave the house by 645 in the morning, which is not something that I normally do. And we hit the road in the truck by eight. So I shower at night, but what I end up doing is actually taking a bubble bath 
So mm-hmm. every night before I go to work, that's one of the things that I do because not only is it good for my body, like I use Epsom salts, which help relieve stress and pain and aches and all of that, but it's also like I'm watching a lot of Shit's Creek right now <laughs> while in the bubble bath, and it's like the best thing. Um, so like recognizing, okay, I have to shower anyway, so let's just let's just make this fun and, and really a treat. So um, being gentle with ourselves in that way, I think is really important too. And we, one of the members of our dream team, Steve, one of his major mantras is how can you make this more efficient? So like when our to-do list is a mile long, what is something that we can be doing while completing what's on our checklist? that is self-care related. So whether that's making a cup of the most amazing tea ever while we settle down for work, like that's a form of self-care. Or if we put something in the crock pot, like a comfort meal from your family from a long time ago, mine is uh, green bean casserole. So like just put it together. It's really quick. Use all of those condensed soups, like make it as unhealthy as you want to just put it in the oven. And that is a form of self-care. Like that's a, you know, at the end of the day, that is a place of comfort and we have to learn to be gentle with ourselves there. I read this really awesome. I don't know if I've shared it with you guys, but I came across it as like a graphic and it's called, um, like the unspoken something, unspoken complexity of self-care the artist, she kind of breaks down, like she talks about self-soothing, she talks about self-care, she talks about community care, and then she talks about kind of like big kind of systems change and how these, all four of these are sort of like interlocking. And But what I loved is that she talks about how we, like self-soothing often gets like judged as, just gets judged as like, oh, if you're soothing yourself, like you're numbing out or you're not tending to whatever. But she talks about how we really need both of those things. And like, I think it just depends on the person, how you distinguish what those are. But she talks about like, sometimes you really need to like take a bath or get a massage if that's something you can afford or just like enjoy a beverage of your choice, whatever that might be in moderation, of course, if it's alcoholic. Um, and yeah, and just like turn off for a while. And then sometimes you might, at least for me, I might feel like I really want to do that. But what I actually need is to like, "Mm, I should probably reach out to my therapist or I should probably check my budget or, you know, just like do those kind of life maintenance tasks that might feel really annoying, but that are actually going to help me feel a little bit more balanced or yeah or like just remembering to try and sleep eight hours I mean that's very easy to not prioritize for me so anyway it's just been it's something that I've found useful and I've shared it with some students and I think it's been helpful for them to think to realize like oh for me as a 20 year old in college self-care doesn't have to look like the way it's often portrayed on social media or yeah, one of the things that I remember from seminary, and I don't remember who said it, Eva, it might have actually been you, 
self-care is not the same as indulgence. Hmm. I don't think that was me, but I don't know. I, I love to indulge. I know, right? <laughs> um, I don't, I don't remember who it was, but that was just so profound in that moment that like in seminary, a very, very stressful time, you know, I would, I would eat out way more than was healthy. And that was my self care, but it was also not the best way to deal with stress. And so Eva, I really, really appreciate like balance, you know, it's okay every once in a while to do these things. And like, at the same time, we have to be gentle with ourselves, especially in a time of COVID. Right. But I, I really, really appreciate that. Like there, there are a couple of ways to do self-care and, and we need to, to balance that. Yeah. I really resonate with, with a lot of what's being said sometimes I think on this podcast, we might mention the Enneagram a little bit. And so without (laughs) delving into that deep (laughs) um, abyss (laughs) too much, there's some awesome podcasts out there if you're interested, but to learn more. But um, one of the things that I do find really interesting about it is that it recognizes that um, it kind of lays out like many personality type systems or ideas or structures, it lays out that there's many different ways of like being in the world. And I think that that goes so deeply to like the ways then that we might experience stress differently or that we might experience comfort or, or peace or healing and health, like all, all of those things in different, in different ways. And I, I started to think about that, uh, because, Eva, I know you and I have had some conversations about potentially sharing our our number, <laughs> our um, Enneagram number. And there was just so many times of what you were saying there about like feeling the overwhelm and wanting to like hide and withdraw. And sometimes, and I kind of see that just because of those conversations, I see this as like, oh my gosh, yeah, like that totally makes sense for for the way we might have rhythm in our lives. Like sometimes the self-care moment in when we start to feel that overwhelm overwhelm is to actually lean in a little bit and to like address it head on because then it like provides relief and space and then we can go and rest really um, instead of for me, at least I, I can, it can just become like, if, if something's overwhelming to me, it becomes like this little, dark cloud that just kind of hangs out and starts to rain in my head and <laughs> I don't know where to find cover and it's like bike taking care of it <laughs> but um but it can sit with image. me for a long time yeah before I like actually open up an umbrella or <laughs> or decide to like hang out in the rain and have fun and for better or for worse like so many because it's become such a really like such a national conversation so care. I think we've talked about before on the podcast, sort of the origins in um, activism and feminist movement and um, movement among people of color and how self-care was really this thing of like extreme importance for preservation and and to be able to continue on in that hard work. And then how it's, it's, you know, taken on this like myriad of different connotations um, 
and social media becomes like hashtag self-care when you're doing whatever. So I, I think people are, are pretty familiar with that, but I, it's amazing. Like the ways that I've experienced that kind of internalized with me. So now when I hear self-care, I like kind of get like, Ooh, I just don't even know what to do with that. So yeah, I just appreciate this conversation and I appreciate any sort of ways to kind of use some different vocabulary in my own internal dialogue around like, what, what are we really trying to get at here? And yeah. And like how to just like distangle the perfection, like wanting to do it a certain way. I think like the, the last thing that I will say is that one thing lately that's been helpful for me is to kind of remember what just brought me like freedom and joy as a kid before, because I think I was so formed like kind of in some of my later years of education about just how to live day to day to get things done. And um, there was like an access to, to freedom that I had as a kid that it can get more foggy these days. And so mm. just like singing by myself is one of them. <laughs> something that's totally goofy and I have to remember to do it. And then when I do it, I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart just feels alive. And like that, that is ultimately what self-care is, mm-hmm. I think. So, yeah. I've been um, slowly learning the banjo. I have a friend yeah. who loaned me hers. It's just so, I've had a crush on the banjo for a couple of years and um, I'm intentionally being super slow with it. And I found this YouTube teacher and he does like 10 minute lessons. And then you just practice the same things over and over again, just little chunks at a time. And that's, I'm, I just forget sometimes until I'm doing it, how much music really helps other things fall away. Like, and it makes me realize how much I miss like singing with a choir. And I mean, I've been doing some like virtual, you know, you record your part and then it gets put together and, well, I, I appreciate that. I think it's, there's something so fundamental for humans about like doing things with other people in community. And I think music is one of those things and really missing that right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're going to have to break out your banjo because <laughs> <laughs> with Simple Church, I kind of had to hit the ground running. I was appointed on October 1st and my first service was October 1st. <laughs> and Simple Church is sort of based in folk music, very simple, easy to learn music. But like my the calluses on my hands are growing. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it's it's something really amazing. Eva, you're right because you can get lost in it. There's a song that I absolutely love. And it might actually be a cover. I'm not sure if it is, but um, the lyrics are, and we will become a new beginning. And I love that song. It's so powerful, especially in a moment like this. We listen to the news. We are biting our nails about what's going to happen in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, the pandemic is actually getting worse and we will become uh no, we will become a happy ending. I'm sorry. A happy ending. I like the new beginning too. I like the new beginning too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's both. It, both. We'll we'll make it both. Um if it's a simple church original, then I'll just change the lyrics. <laughs> but there it's you go. it's a beautiful, beautiful hope. There's there's hope on the horizon. So I I've really really enjoyed that. And 
music is is meant to be played with people and sung with people. My dad also plays a banjo and he's been playing around with a software called Jam Kazam. So if you're looking to jam with people from all over the world, download it, see what happens. Um, Dad really loves it. So that's so fun. Yeah. And there's not, yeah, there's not a delay like there would be in Zoom. So I think Zoom just upgraded though. Like I think they're currently working on a music version of Zoom. I think. Yeah. Because they recognize that like the demand for that is really, really high. Yeah. Yep. Do you all remember the song when everybody has a bed? Yes. And we will go out dancing. Yes. That one's actually really hard to play. Um, I want to say that they're actually a Massachusetts, right? Yeah. They're a local band in Worcester, I think. Oh, cool. So there is a Simple Church playlist, so we can drop that in the show links as well. So all of the songs are there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yep. When everybody has a bed, when everybody has bread, then we'll know peace again. Then everybody's going to dance. Is it na, 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 no, no. Yeah, yeah. We'll go dancing. That one. Spin it around, spin it around. I loved when we used to sing that in a circle and the little kids would just like go nuts in the middle. Go dance around. (laughs) So good. Yes. To me, that is the way church music should be done. Mm. And that, for some people, that's a controversial statement. I mean, Mm. I love him. I love an organ. But give me some like just simple, singable folk. And sometimes foot stomping too. Yeah. That is the one thing that I'm missing. So the previous pastor of Symbol Church had a foot symbol. No, what is it? A foot um, tambourine. Yeah. A foot tambourine. And that's the one thing that I'm missing. Christy, this is, you just got to get one. You got it. Yeah. This is starts with you. I know. Oh, I'm so excited. I forgot about that. Chris and I got uh, some handheld instruments. Well, I got some handheld instruments for a trip that I led with students and then just hung on to them. And it is like the f- most fun community builder. Like if we have people over back when we could do that, you know, sometimes have a little sing along or, and just hand out an instrument to people. And it just, it's like everyone's kids again. Everyone's a kid again. Well, we are so glad that you've joined us at the table for this awesome catch-up conversation. Next time we'll have mustard. Yes, next time we'll have mustard. I was trying, like, that's why I was speaking so (laughs) slow, because I was trying to work in mustard. Um, Mayo, you could join us as well. (laughs) That was bad. I'm still thinking of puns. But anyway, um, we are so glad that you joined us around the table. We're going to be, you know, leaning back a little bit and potentially leaning in as well and, and sort of taking stock of everything that's going on around us over the next several months. And we invite you on this journey. Feel free to reach out anytime as well. If you have a specific topic that you want us to cover, like please shoot us an email. We would love to, to hear from you.
I also hope if if you haven't had a chance yet um, to go on back to the first couple of episodes of the season and just um, hopefully that will provide some some helpful starting material to chew on as we continue to respond in this time of multiple pandemics. And remember to vote. (laughs) Vote. Please. We should come up with a voting rap. V-O-T-E. V-O-T-E. It's going to impact you and me. V-O-T-E. Yes. (laughs) It's going to impact you and me. Vote. Is this our voting church song? Where's your foot, tambourine? I know. (laughs) And take breaks from election coverage. Take breaks from social media. Stay informed, but give your brain a break as well. And we love you. Talk to you soon. Bye, friends. Huge thanks to our dream team for keeping us grounded and inspired including Steve Dry and the Entrepreneur League based in Cambridge, Massachusetts for their input and support of our podcast. Shout out to Melody Stanford Martin for our gorgeous logo design. And many thanks to you, our listeners. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out our website at fullyyourspodcast.com for even more recipes, writings, and resources. Drop us a line. We love hearing from you. And leave us a review on iTunes. It really means a lot. Until next time, we are fully yours.